Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Welcome to episode 11. Is it? Yeah, of the probably honest podcast with myself Dan, myself Mark, and we have a guest, a very special guest, Valentina. Hello. Welcome Valentina to the podcast. We're so delighted to have you. Thank you. Yes, I am too. I'm just <laughs> Mark's very good at being upfront about his compliments and excitement and I'm shy saying exciting stuff. On behalf of Dan, he's very excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to get you on because obviously we've met through similar paths of recovering from various addictions and so on, but the common the mutual um things we have in common are along the kind of creativity and the artist uh, artistic expression whilst being sober, but obviously we didn't get sober and then be like I'm going to start doing stuff. So I wanted to get you on talk about a bit about your journey and then but your journey into sobriety and also your journey into what you do creatively in the various arts that you participate in practicing. So I don't know how we're going to really get the ball rolling. Uh I have some questions written down. Mark usually has the questions, but I haven't uh, prepared any questions for you. You don't know anything about I'm just going to I'm going to freestyle as you talk and cuz I mean I've not heard your share before. I've not heard your story, so I'm intrigued to hear more about you. I think Dan's been talking for ages about getting you on the podcast because he wants to talk about creativity cuz I think one of the things one of our aims for this podcast it, is that it will engage people who have certain reservations maybe about recovery or sobriety and what that means for their lives and i think one of the common reservations that people can sometimes have is that creativity somehow dies when you're no longer able to 
use and abuse narcotics. And I've heard, I've heard it a few times from different people in different meetings that they have these anxiety because for whatever reason, artistic people also often struggle with addictions. And maybe you have an opinion on that. But yeah, I think one of the things it was, it's great to hear is someone who is living a sober lifestyle that hasn't hampered their creativity, or maybe it has, and maybe you're going to tell us it's all dreadful <laughs> and that you still carry on using. But I think that was one of, one of the reasons why we thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you. Yeah. Tell us who I you are. Kind of get well, started, maybe it'd be For as long as I can remember, I was always on edge and very deceitful, but I don't say that in like a punishing way necessarily, more in like. I did it because I thought that's how I had to survive. And I was always really desperate for approval. And yeah, just a very anxious child. And the environment that I grew up in was very eggshelly. And my parents had a lot of unresolved trauma. And that's one of the things I'm most grateful for um, sobriety for, is learning that every person has their own shit going on and it's not a vendetta against you. And once I've learned that, it's meant that I haven't had to mean, manipulate my way to safety because it's understanding human beings more. So, yeah, I grew up in a place called Suffolk. Um, and it's very, well, when I was growing up, it was uh, a very white conservative town. Um, and my mum's Chilean and my dad is white. And uh, we grew up above Katiram Restaurant. I think from the cooking shows that you've seen, it's quite a high pressure environment to be in the kitchen all the time. And I've actually been thinking about that a lot recently, how because there wasn't necessarily that disparity between a place of rest and a place of work, it was always like on. So I think that contributed to like stress as a child or whatever. Yeah, growing up, it was just constant manipulation um, and wanting to come across a certain way. How did you want to come across? I wanted to be desired. So I wanted to be sexualized from like a young age. Like um, the messages that I was given as a femme presenting person was like, you have to be thin. You have to have flawless skin. You have to have like straight hair. And I remember actually when I just started high school, I would like steal my mum's Spanx. And then wear Spanx. And that's like a What's a Spanx, child. please? It's like, it's underwear that people wear that holds your fashion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I was like a child and I felt that was like something that I had to do. Yeah, there was like conflict in the household, which I'm not going to speak on because um, that's like, I feel it's like taking my family story and I have my own, but I don't think that's like appropriate. Um, and yeah, I think I just like cut off my emotions um, not consciously, uh, and then was like, yes, logic is the only way to get things done. Emotions serve nobody. Um, because my mum and my sibling were like extrovertly emotional, which is so beautiful and something which I used to like criticize so much. And my dad and I were very much like, <gasps> like I'm a, I'm like a, a queer Latinx little person but inside I am a cis straight white man <laughs> like, like it's really weird <laughs> like a Russian doll like if you opened me up I'd be like a guy called like Dave <laughs> that's like my original thought process um yeah. <laughs> um yeah and then high school started and again it was this um performance and 
uh, one archetype that I wanted to be was like the the tomboy. So um, like, as I said, a narrative has been wanting to be wanted. I'd be like, I don't want you. Like, I just want to play video games and be like a gamer girl. Like, I don't get jealous. What? Oh my God, what's jealousy? Like, if you want to be like friends with everyone, like be friends with girls and like flirt with them and stuff. But inside I'd be like, <laughs> and obviously that would like manifest as resentment and all of that stuff but again unconsciously so I didn't know yeah and then I got a bit older and then art I've got to thread that in art was the only part of my identity that I loved and that I could do and I didn't feel very intelligent growing up I was always very last minute and numbers exams remembering things would freak me the fuck out um but I could sit down and draw a face for hours and I would have people say like wow that's like you're you're good at that like you're the art kid that's something you could do but a negative of that was me gatekeeping it quite a lot um so like I was the art kid so if people like copied me or I was paranoid that they were I would be like oh my god what the fuck and like get really bitchy and like protective because I was like this is me, like I can do this. And it was the scarcity mindset. Yeah, so it was my thing and I loved it. And one of the only places where I could reach flow state as a person. And I think a lot of creatives can relate to this, like amongst all of the chaos, creating is that place where it's a a reciprocal interaction. So you get that intimacy with something, but it's it's like trusted and it's safe. Ah. Just chiming in there, I have so many memories of me from from like day one of me being a kid. Like I was always trying to find something that ticked a box of being creative, whether it was me getting a really cheap shit camera and like being with a mate, like let's do a sketch show and and then trying to get on like Windows Movie Maker and then doing like, let's try and make like a 1940s movie and then playing around with that. Or whether it's me, I have, when you said like the intimacy, like snapshot to me being a kid in the bunk bed, like a bottom of a bunk bed with a sketch pad, being like looking at artists and being like trying to mimic their work and having super melancholy, depressing music and then being like, you know, dark, <laughs> dark, like lamp lit room. And I'm like, it's just me, this pence, like I only like sketching really didn't like painting or using colors because I'm, you know, melancholy. Um, and just how intimate that is like no one's in the room with me I'm there it's just me trying to create stuff or like learn something about myself through this yeah so snapshot there into like those early days of of how to be learning how to be some sort of yeah and it's company without the stress of company yeah 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 <laughs> like I I love and fear people massively and art gave me <clears throat> like, yeah, just like safety and niceness. Uh, my creativity tends to, well, when I was growing up, tended to fade when I got into relationships with people. I think maybe it's a like time thing. I struggle to do multiple things at once and then as as we're like talking, I'm like piecing it together because I had someone to like fill that void in. I didn't feel the need for this thing because I got my approval and affirmation like from another person rather than this abstract noun. That's such a common experience for people when they get into relationships that the rest of their life, and I, when I say for people, I speak for myself as well, 
where the rest of your life falls by the wayside when you get into where, yeah, when you're getting that affirmation and that validation from another person. It's so interesting. Yeah. And I, I link it to codependent codependency because it's so much pressure for this one person to be your everything and your approval and it all balances on that rather than your own intuition and your own dreams and goals would you also get resentful as well because you're like oh i'm not doing my art and i know it's because of this person yeah like i remember in my previous relationship one thing that really annoyed me about him was his lack of wanting to pursue his dreams and i was emotionally abusive to him i would say but I see now that that was just me projecting that I didn't pursue my own dreams and I was putting that onto him and like seeing it made me like frustrated and uncomfortable because it was like, wait, bitch, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. So art was like the thing. Yeah. And then with alcohol and stuff, it was totally like um, a thread of, the approval thing like I felt that drinking was like I could say the things that I didn't want to say and it gave me permission to um because I wouldn't have to take well in my fantasy I wouldn't have to take accountability for it because I could be like oh I was drunk so if I fancied someone I could be like I fucking love you <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be like uh you said this thing and then I'd be like oh I was drunk no it doesn't <laughs> and inside I'd be like oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I did a violin action by the way <laughs> for the benefit of the listeners <laughs> yeah I would be the one that would go too far like the thing is I I never even drunk as much as my friends did but I would just be such a lightweight yeah like I couldn't I wouldn't drink that much at all but I would reach blackout and just be like more 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 yeah, so then would go to like house parties and then get really drunk and then black out and then think it was normal. But I think it's not normal. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then I went to uni and then I had a, a long-term relationship end with someone that I dated since I was like, I think 16 or 17. So it was the formative years of 17 to like 19, 20. That's quite huge. And then I remember we broke up and I was like, what the fuck like what do I do um and it was really really messy and yeah I didn't act very graciously I studied illustration at university and like I said previously it was such a ego test because art was my thing and I came from this small town where I was like the drawer to this environment where every single person was from their small town and they were the drawer um and I couldn't enjoy it and I couldn't really let go because I was constantly comparing myself to other people. A thread in my life is I really, really struggle with deadlines and pressure. Well, I did struggle with deadlines and pressure. We're good. We grow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and yeah, lots of drinking. And I didn't take any drugs before uni. And then when I got to uni, there was an exposure to it. And it was... It was all right. <laughs> so was was drugs quite a part of the story as well? Um, yeah, but like I said, it wasn't this like skins fantasy of like yeah. hardcore, like oh yeah, like crying with like mascara and like a black dress. Where did they get all the money in skins for all the drugs they did? 
The accessibility that they had, I always used to blow it's my mind. Drugs. I just used to, <laughs> when I used to watch it, I was like, where are these young children getting all this? Sorry. Anyway. Oh, you mean the story? <laughs> the actual, I thought you meant like they were really doing it. No, no, no. It's <laughs> just like, I just, when, whenever I used to watch it, I used to be like, this is outrageous. I, but maybe I grew up, I grew up in Swansea in a small town as well. So our accessibility to drugs was always limited, but I was, sorry, this is a complete tangent, but whenever I used to watch skins, I'd be like, the fuck are these kids getting like a thousand pills from them bursting out in the middle of a pie? It doesn't happen anyway. Sorry. Yeah, but in Bristol. No, fuck that. I haven't got it. It's making it up. Like, I think it's a rite of passage. In Bristol, there's just, they're just. Not being able to get drugs free? is like a rite of passage. That's like a thing. <laughs> like getting frustrated that you can't score is a rite of passage. And if kids are not getting that, they're missing out. <laughs> Sorry. Writers of the Skins, if you're thinking of revamping yeah, it, Fuck don't. you, Writers of Skins. <laughs> you don't know shit. That actually links to creativity, I think. Seamless. Because there's the, the narrative that you have to be haunted and in pain to create art. And that has to be everything that you're about. Like, I was raised on the teat of the Smiths and uh, nice. Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. And I do often think how much of an influence their music because um i'm i'm really interested i do a lot of like poetry and things and i'm really interested in etymology and the words that we use and then who dictates the the way that we use certain words and if i grew up with the lack of trust in my own intuition i would substitute these idols to fill that in and i do think a lot of my codependency probably stems from listening to to music that was like why don't you love me i will cut off my right arm for you and then that that formed like how i an uncanny morrissey impression there i have to say very good <laughs> he's more like hey. <laughs> <laughs> um oh and i do remember like it still slaps but the um the nirvana what was it the live lounge thing they did oh yeah oh my god divine Oh yeah, so you need lots of drugs. Uh, oh my God. And I was such a judgmental, jealous human being um, that wouldn't really say it. And I would just cook on it and hate and just like be so jealous. I was such a jealous human being. Uh, yeah, and then I went to, um, I did a semester in Rotterdam in Holland um, and it still holds like holds like such a close place to my heart. It was life changing. Obviously, like I think my mental health dips correlate with romantic interests. Um, and I won't go into details because I don't know who's going to listen to this. People might listen. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, but something didn't go how I wanted it to go. Um, and I think maybe there is when the like seeds of my eating disorder like bloomed because it was that rejection and not being able to to process it but not in a way that's like I am the best why don't you love me just in a why don't you love me way yeah and then came back from that got in a another relationship with someone else and yeah, still processing it, still working on it. And like I said, I think it'll be inappropriate to go into details because it's like multiple parties. And yeah, things just went downhill from there. And uh, I my eating disorder got really bad and I started to lose weight quite quickly. And I, 
I was always uh, like thicker than my friends and stuff. <clears throat> and I cut my like family out because I think the narrative that served me at the time was like they're evil. They don't do anything for me. They're horrible. And I think a lot of addicts can relate to that. It's very much like rather than realizing that you can parent yourself you're still stuck in those childhood circles of like you did this you did this you did this right and you can't look at yourself well sorry I'll speak for myself I could not look at the shit that I did and I had so much shame and guilt over ways that I'd hurt people lies that I told this mask that I'd created um but outwardly blamed everyone yeah uh yeah it wasn't great uh I wasn't making art at all then I was like dipping in and out of like different projects and I actually started my spoken word events under then but it was pretty fucking wild because I'd be like running it and then indulging the addiction like in the toilets and like hosting this event and also doing this thing which was like physically painful um um but that was a glimmer of hope I think because I've always really struggled to connect with people because as someone who wasn't living authentically, I thought everyone was a liar. And so I, I, I was in a, um, bell hooks talks about this a lot. If you haven't read all about love by bell hooks, it's my favorite book in the universe. And I really want you to read it. We'll put a link. Please do. I thought you've, you haven't read that. I don't think I have. No, I've, I've heard of bell hooks, but I've not read that book rest okay. in peace she died quite recently really r.i.p bell hooks she's like we, we won't get her on <laughs> oh no but she's like incredible and this book um it's very um male female oriented um but um yeah she talks a lot about um how uh when you're an addict it doesn't just affect you it affects everyone around you and the whole keeping people hostage um, which I related to like, um, well, I can see it now, but in the moment I didn't realize that everyone was walking on eggshells around me because they were scared that I would relapse. Um, and then when you learn that it's like, oh shit, yeah, this is real. And yeah, so I lost loads of weight and then, um, my parents and housemates arranged an intervention and I was with my boy at my boyfriend's house at the time. And it was just a normal day. Um, well not normal when you're an addict just a crazy serotonin nightmare um, <laughs> and uh, my dad and a housemate turned up at the house and they were like right we need to have a talk and I was like oh my fucking god because I I hadn't no one had like stood on my eggshells before um, yeah so then that's actually what a poem that I have is called. It's called Eggshells. I'll unplug that. <laughs> we'll link to it. Oh, or I'll read it. Or we'll read it. Valentina may read it live on, well, not live because you're not, it's not live right now. Yeah, you can edit the like weird bits out. <laughs> edit the weird, we're not going to, it'll be raw, raw, uncensored poetry. <laughs> um, live, but not live. Recorded on a What podcast. is live at the end of the day? Come on. What is time? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is real. We live in an. Nothing is real. Turn this off right now. <laughs> no, don't turn off. We've got. No, sorry, don't, don't. Sorry, I don't mean that. Stay on. You haven't heard the end of Valentina's story. You have to stay on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, yeah, so I'm at the house um, and then my parents are there and then they're like, uh, we, we want you to get help. And then my parents suggested rehab and I was like, what the fuck? No, like I am young. Uh, I can't sacrifice like a month of my life um, to anything. Like I need to like finish uni and like, what are you talking about? Just full the the disease speaking from me, like in full, I have to protect this wild habit um and then I thought about it for a bit after the intervention and um I remember learning this thing called like the fuck it bucket which is where you know you're going to be estranged from your habit so you're like fuck it I'm going to go to town and indulge so I remember um I was like okay I'll go to rehab I am so tired and I cannot live like this forever um and then I spent a whole week like buying food from different establishments in like Cabot Circus and just binging and purging and binging and purging for like a whole week and um just the it's, it's quite sad because it's like the I wonder I haven't felt direct direct physical effects of it um but I wonder like because the body remembers everything when I'm older what the repercussions of yeah, I really, I really worry about that because I was, I was bulimic for a very long time. Yeah, and um, oh, I used to like vomit blood all the time, and and like have that terror of like, oh, is this the time where my trachea severs or what, whatever it is? I was constantly worried about that stuff, and I do, I have loads of kind of digestive issues, but then I think I have a feeling based on your story, I was probably binging and purging for a, a longer period of time, so maybe your damage is limited. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> May I ask uh, questions? Uh, I don't, I've never experienced um, any sort of kind of eating disorder. Maybe a bit of body dysmorphia, but nothing too um, too serious. I, I'd say. I don't. I hope you don't mind me asking. Do you have continued kind of issues that you face from as a result of that type of addiction, with like digestive issues and so on? There was a point where I got. I think it's called like GERDs. Goods. Goods. Well, just make up a disease. Right? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I had it for a bit, but it's like, like a, a stomach problem where you you can't break down sulfur. Okay. So my like burps were like straight up eggs. Wow. Um, and I, that was like a, a gut thing, and um, I think uh, it's really common to get uh, a lot of dental problems from it because it's the stomach acid. Um, but I think I. Cause I was only like hardcore bulimic for like within like a period of like a year. Um, so I don't think I had, what about you? Did you? Oh, I'm action packed with physical side effects. I think, I think, um, some, if you, if you binge and purge for a long period of time, because it drains your salivary glands, your salivary glands swell up. So if you look at photos of me when I was 16, 17 versus maybe photos of me when I was in like maybe 20, 21, my glands used to swell up cause I used to binge and purge every day. My glands used to swell up. 
So I just had this kind of like very swollen kind of thing around my neck and it's kind of changed it permanently. I think, I think I have, yeah, just there's like around my neck, it basically swelled up. And so, yeah, so I've got that. Yeah. Digestive issues. I've got so many digestive issues, but also I think that's a part of getting older. And also my dad's always had digestive issues and he never had an eating disorder. So maybe part of that is hereditary too. So there might be like a mix of hereditary and also some progressed. Yeah. uh, Fast forwarding. I think it's important for me to ask as someone who, um, who is naive to some of the symptoms or, or responses to certain issues that maybe someone listening may not be aware of, or someone that is listening that is also facing similar things knows, oh, okay, I'm not the only one experiencing this. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like awareness is also great for people learning about this and also that kind of community and feeling that someone who's had maybe these these responses, these physical um, responses to eating disorders, they know that they you guys have experienced similar things too or whatever it is, you know. I think the other thing that, I don't know if you had this, but I lost my gag reflex. So I can just, if I bend forwards, so if I drink some liquid and bend forward, I can vomit just at will, which I used to think was a really interesting party trick that I had, but it was like, which is really sad. I was like, oh, I can just lean forward and throw up if I want to. Um, But then when I was recovering, that was difficult because it becomes extremely tempting just to lean forward and throw up. Um. So yeah. yeah, that's I. I don't think I've chatted to someone about that before. Mm. Where you can just like, and the thing is, like, I could still do it. Like, it's mm. it's there. Yeah. Um, and then now, if I do get, if I do like feel sick, it brings up a lot of fear for me because I associate that with relapse and like fear. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the uh, description of like buzzwords is like Oh yeah, this is a trigger warning for sure. Heart vomit. <laughs> Egg burps. Egg burps. Oh. Kirk Vane. <laughs> so um intervention and I was like, oh fuck it bucket. Um, and then I go to rehab and it was petrifying being in a circle with people being on high alert because it was, it was an ego death. Um, like that's the closest thing like I've had to mushrooms Mm. (laughs) is rehab, (laughs) but not in a, like a, um, a wow way in a like. I don't want to die. These people can see the worm I am inside. Um, you know, like Daleks when you open them up. Yeah. I guess that's so interesting as well. If you've had that thing you said earlier, which really like touched me a little bit where you said um, you both love and fear people mm. almost in equal measure. That's like, that's being in that environment must be such a like, oh, I want to be open with these people, but also I don't trust them. I'm on alert. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't trust anyone growing up. Um because I think um, we live in a society of hypocrisy and contradiction and not apologizing. Like I would see caregivers do things that I was punished for, but I would be punished for it. And yeah, just like power, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So then it was all these people with these incredible, um, painful, sad 
stories when I look back on it I just see a room full of like kids like with unresolved problems um and that's like the compassion that I try to give myself these days like I love the whole reparenting spiel um and when I'm in a like a good place spiritually I give myself the compassion that I wish I had when I was like 11 and like because I would I would make mistakes a lot um and then I didn't feel my let my perspective of reality at the time was that I wasn't given like forgiveness so I would like hide them hide the mistakes that I made and then it would get found out and I'd be punished for that rehab honestly like I would I'd probably be dead if I didn't go to rehab um because I needed that shattering of my mask um and it was quite severe and actually I I say that I needed it but I do feel that there could have been alternative softer methods maybe um and as well it didn't take into consideration like the like different gendered experiences of addiction or different racial experiences of addiction everyone I was with there was like white um and what I'm learning is like the further I'm getting into recovery is like the nuance of everything like there isn't a homogenous way to experience recovery it is different for a black person and a white person because of like like social yeah yeah so yeah and then I came out of rehab and I was um an emotional fetus and I had no idea how to do fucking anything I'd just been broken open outwardly like you did this you did this you did this but I didn't have my um addiction to like soothe me so I was like very very fragile and then I didn't join a fellowship for ages and then I joined one and um yeah it's just like it's just incredible and uh yeah and I feel so compelled to say if you're struggling with an eating disorder please get help or if you're struggling with alcoholism right now please 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 do um it's it's not your friend it's pretending to be and it's pretty hard and wild but you deserve to feel better the benefit of the listener that somehow has skipped straight to episode 11 and doesn't know what we mean by fellowship we're referring to 12-step meetings or some sort of support group it doesn't necessarily mean have to be the 12 steps that is dedicated to to being a community of people that are dealing with some sort of addiction issue or 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 not not necessarily even addiction issue but in this instance alcoholism alcoholics anonymous or uh oa overeaters anonymous or which i never quite understood the name overeaters anonymous is that to do with the purging well i think it started as like a binge eating one but there's loads of under eaters overeaters all sorts of eaters in there it's more just about having a 12 yeah, a, a step approach to it i'm in therapy now though rather than a food one because i found some of the language quite fat phobic yeah oh yeah okay so i would concur with that i went to the food fellowship for a while mm-hmm. i think there's yeah i don't know it's, it's like all fellowships isn't it it's good and bad points mm. oh they yeah they all have good and bad points just for context as well we may occasionally refer to fellowship in the context of Lord of the Rings. We might, we may do. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I don't know if we have, but I just want to leave that open to us. I don't want to limit us to the definitions. Well, I'm planning on reading them all soon. So. <laughs> have you never read Lord of the Rings? 
No, I never read them. I read The Hobbit. Have you seen the films, Lord yeah. of the Rings? But you've never read the books? Never read the books. You're in for a treat, pal. Well, I've, only just, so much I've only just come out as a fantasy lover. Yeah. I've always been a sci-fi fan, but fantasy, I'm like, let's fucking go. For the benefit of the listener, Dan is reaching for the bookshelf. The Final Empire. Love. Mistborn book one. What's that? It's 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 about, it's it's not quite dystopian, but it's quite dark. What's it called? The Final Empire. It's Final Empire. It's about Brandon Sanderson. Rebels trying to overcome an already one evil leader. Who's like just is just there's nothing good happening in this world, and they're trying to like there's magic and all sorts of stuff going on, and the leaders are like teenage like teenage coming of age like girl that's trying to like find navigate her way through some really egotistical men. It's quite good. Six hundred and. Four your pages, big book. You know? He reads people. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't like that. Such a teenage boy thing to do to quote the number of pages in the book. Just so you know, it's six hundred forty pages. So I can read every single one. I'm just no, I'm just scared <laughs> by the amount oh, of many pages. Okay. I'm used to like Lord of the Rings. One hundred fifty. I can I just about do that. And this is like you know, Lord of the Rings is like there's what? there's a, there's over a thousand. I reckon. I think. Yeah. No. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, Valentina, (laughs) Um, back to to you. You said the word fellowship and we went off on a tangent. You were talking, you were were begging people to get into recovery. So, pleading. um, segue back to creativity. Mm -hmm. That is actually very relevant because as well as me wanting to come across a certain way socially, there was also creative, creatively how I wanted to come across socially. Um, and it would be like listening to to niche DJs, oh yeah, and being like, "Yo, have you have you listened to this person?" That's, that's basically Dan. <laughs> that's that's basically Dan's nah. entire life. Or like, I would listen to them, but I wouldn't authentically enjoy them. I would like the the clout and like the image that would come with them. Um, and with like art and stuff, I would do like abstract expressionist stuff, and I do enjoy that now. But I have to constantly assess with myself is this really what I want to do or is this because I want to come across a certain way um so like music I would listen to stuff I would watch references I would make um yeah it would all add to the performance that was Valentina um but now one thing that's great about recovery is like uh so I feel like when I was seven maybe I felt like a 14 year old and then I became 14 and then I got stuck at 14 and a beautiful thing about it is about recovery is you can play and you can rediscover stuff that didn't tickle your pickle in your youth (laughs) (laughs) I love that expression so much (laughs) but like it's it's not just the nitty-gritty the exploration and fun can exist as well and I didn't give myself permission to do that because it was always about how how do I look to people. But now I I really like musicals and I love the the drama and the fantasy of the songs. And um I wouldn't have it sounds small, but I wouldn't have been able to say this a few years ago because I thought people would be like, Musicals, that's that's lame. I was in so much musical theatre as a teenager. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> and I was not ashamed about it. <laughs> Good. Like you, you two, like you two bloody posers. <laughs> well, it's like my reality of the Bristol scene was like, 
it's so niche and edgy mm. and musicals didn't have a place well that's fucking outrageous the edge. fuck you bristol scene <laughs> <laughs> um, and um yeah and it's just it's a, a gift and it's amazing and my artwork um i work as a freelance artist at the moment and um there is nothing else i would rather do in the world and uh, i'm represented by rising arts agency um if you're local and in bristol i'd definitely check them out um they're amazing and um they're like com- i would say completely or like trying to be completely anti-capitalist and anti-like patriarchal and yeah they're just Is it the equivalent of someone having like a, a manager or an agent type thing because like because like musicians and all like in i don't have one but like djs have booking agents that like look after them and you know have their back if anything i got your back then does that mean i'm your agent uh i mean I've never are you getting any, me gigs i've never booked any <laughs> gigs no are you right. paying me <laughs> Ooh, yeah. i might pay you if you get me a gig oh. uh, okay so if talking about all of the rings all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry valentina right. um yeah they're incredible and um i do want to speak about how um like this this is about sobriety and everything but um one of the best things of sobriety as well has been um because of the introspection with that I've been able to be introspective with uh, like politics and like social consciousness. And I think if I was more deeply within my eating disorder now, um, I remember hearing if you're in fight or flight, you're incapable of empathy. Mm, So true. Wow. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. So I was constantly like on edge and not connected to anyone, but being able to like be calm and like read, I think. That's like one of life's greatest pleasures. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really nice. It's all right. You've you've provided a lot of gold. You really oh, have, yeah. You. And like I'm I'm I my memory just drops off off the radar when I'm like listening to you, I'm engaged, and there's so many times that throughout what you've been sharing with us where I've been kind of emotionally connected to your story. And just from from what you've gone through and just feeling like you as part of millions of other people that have experienced similar things, like it's such a, a difficult, I, I've, you know, fortunately, as I said, not had a, don't have an eating disorder. I never had one, but um, that included with <laughs> Mark's similar story, you know, alcoholism as part and, and addiction drugs as well. Just battling those things together is very, is such a, is a, such a hard one when it's all coming from a, a very, just bizarrely ill ego that we we go through and um really wanting to find a voice you know and 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 i also feel like how many times i've related to uh just what you're talking about when you've you've been on a bit of a journey with like discovering your art your your art forms and then someone will come along (laughs) and you'll be like forget the art you are my everything now. <laughs> yeah. And then all that blame, all that anger that you put onto this person. And it happens, you know, even in my relationship now without going off in, in, into revealing too much about Shout that. out to Lydia. Shout out to Lydia, who's Ooh. taken a dog. She's taken Robin for it's a not walk. not our dog, but we have th- dog. She said it was her dog. Oh, it is. It, it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is her dog. But Robin, doesn't, Robin doesn't, the dog. Robin doesn't live with us. 
But uh, <laughs> this is having a trial separation. Robin doesn't live with us anymore. I can just see myself slip into that, like blaming why I haven't been able to make music or do something that's like creative. Blaming, blaming like the relationship when actually she should be sat there like. Um, I'm just on the sofa. Mm. Like, I'm just chilling. It's nearest person syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nearest and dearest person. I'm You're all, always going to blame them. Yeah, walk into a shop. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shopkeeper person. Yeah, I've done it several times on this podcast already. <laughs> yeah. But today, oh, <laughs> creativity is the love of my life. Yeah. The love of my life. Like, um, I absolutely adore it. And, um, collaboration and everything has just it's blown my fucking mind and then learning about um systemic issues um in regards to like oh I talk about this so friggin much with you but the scarcity mindset like uh when it comes to everything like with food with affection with anything when I think that this is a finite source I freak the fuck out and I get possessive over it and it's the same with um creativity and like money and everything that I find but and love but when when you learn that like it's it's abundant that's so liberating and I grew up like quite competitive and encouraged to compete against people but um that to me that's a facet of capitalism because it's batting people against each other and installing an individualist mindset rather than the idea that if we all come together the people in power are fucked (laughs) like if we all create things together and we're all like um let's distribute these sources uh like where they should be distributed that's so powerful and that's to me why I hate competition um and that's why it's been like amazing recovery because you learn that too like to stop comparing yourself to other people have you really have you really do you find yourself slipping back into that competitive mindset or have you, have you kind of broken the habit of, I find everything's habitual. So no matter what it is, um, I find that if you're competitive, it's a habit of being competitive. It's a habit of looking at someone else and being like, I'm better than you or I can, oh, you're oh, in, in this instance, ah, oh, that painting or whatever it is, that poem I've just heard. I have it as well. Whenever I hear something of a practice that I'm trying to engage in and someone's like a friend of mine has brought out a release or I'm trying to learn, you know, poetry recently for me and trying to learn that I hear a poem. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not as good as you. And it's like, why would I be as good as them? I've literally just started, but my my brain isn't so back to you. (laughs) Uh, Do you still slip into that? And when you do, what are the kind of messages you might bring to yourself to kind of counter that thought process? That's a a really good question. So um, I remember being taught our initial thoughts are what we've been taught to think and how we look at them are where we are now. Um, And I know like my my default is to be like, oh, why isn't that me? And when I'm saying all this stuff, I don't feel it. I do feel it, but I can choose how to look at it and how to act with it. Um, So if I see someone succeeding, uh, like I said before, like the body retains like those kind of reactions I can feel like tension and and my initial thought being like oh I should have got that opportunity but it also I think depends on their like positional power in society yeah like if I have more power than they do 
no <laughs> like that that redistribution of assets and like that's not for me like I've got enough like opportunities um no <laughs> um yeah and I think it's just like sitting down and then looking at those feelings but before it would be like I am in those feelings like um if I saw someone that was better than me or I thought they were doing something better than me it would be like oh I'm awful so as if someone's gloriousness is damages mine but no like what I've learned is no like there is and there is duality there is space for everyone to create art you said something to me when we I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before and you said that uh, we're talking about complimenting other artists, mm -hmm. loose term or whatever that means. And I found, for me anyway, if I feel envy towards another artist, wow, they're so much, you know, that competition, that ego, like, oh, they're so much better than me. When I actually just reach out to them and say, I love what you're doing, you're, you know, that whatever, in my, you know, oh, that last track you made. So, like, what did what was the process like just straight up asking them instead of being like oh they're better than me i'm rubbish it's like oh well what if i can learn from them what if they can help me what if i can share some bits with them and or like you said collaboration what if i we could work together and then that that intimidation becomes a collaboration and then you grow with that person together instead of being like there's no point in me even going further here because i'm rubbish yeah or I was just thinking like, or just let it be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if someone's like succeeding, let them. <laughs> like I don't have no. to get something. <laughs> <laughs> I must be involved. No, I'm joking. That is uh, much. Like um, someone else glowing doesn't affect your glow, yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Like there's a, a word in like, uh, the poly circles which is compersion and that's where like you you feel joy when someone else feels joy and I think that's something that I fucking love about sobriety is because I would never have that I would never have had that um like I'm trying to think what did I like if I see people that I know and they're doing exhibitions and they've got a massive smile on their face and they're like smiling in the photos like Ew. I genuinely feel like oh <laughs> because I'm like uh that's so exciting and like that's so much joy <laughs> and like it's just really nice and a few years ago I wouldn't have had that at all it would just be like where's my slice so much you've given us so much <laughs> you really have yeah yay <laughs> definitely or all right I mean selfishly I do this podcast and then speak to even Mark or guests just to learn a bit more about how I can add some more spiritual principles to my own Program. You're saying this whole podcast is just yeah. a selfish endeavor. On okay, right. I mean, it was I your, did not realize that. I mean, it was part of episode eleven now. It's part of your idea to start this whole podcast. Was it my? Idea? Yeah, you well, went on a podcast. I went on a podcast. Yeah, and you're like, we should. It's do a, a bloody good podcast. I don't think you should listen to it. Just saying. What is it? It was Target. a friend of my friend Cat, who's also in recovery, did a podcast called Dating My Mates, where she basically just interviewed her mates as if they were on a date. But then it was like, it was a really, it was just like a really broad discussion of like romantic sexual history and, and how that, what that experience was like for me. 
Um, yeah, that, it's good. You were good. It was, yeah, it was really good. I've, I've listened back to that one a few times because it really like, what's the words? Narcissistically, because it is a really interesting podcast. And every time I listen to it, I'm surprised at things I said in it um, because I was quite, I was much more honest than I expected to be. And, uh, but it, it had a bit of a life of its own because it, w- it went around lots of people who I know. And then it went around lots of people that I don't really know and people that I work with. And it, there was a lot of intimate stuff in there that I was actually like, oh, I probably would prefer people I work with not know that stuff. But anyway, it led to us discussing doing yeah. this and then doing this. And so. now speaking to you. And now speaking to you. Uh, who's shared a lot of, I found, wisdom, honesty. So we've been speaking for about an hour. It's flown by. It really has, yeah. I'm sure that there's, oh, I mean, I, I could probably extend for two hours to find out more and more about the the more modern aspect of what's going on with you in your creative world. There's so many things I want to say. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so just just to kind of bring it to more up to date, your your work, your full, you, you know, you said you're doing freelancing. You're working. Um, we say illustrator, artist, loose. <laughs> <laughs> what is art? What is art? Yeah. What is art? But bring us home. What is art? <laughs> freedom. Art is freedom, unless you're me. And it's stuck in a striving to be better. I'm going to go over it. Go over it. I'll just drop it on the floor there. I'm going to start making like, I don't know. What should I start making? Noise music. Oh, I'm really into fungi. We talked about this. Have you seen uh, yeah. people plugging in stuff into mushrooms? And then the, I think the like electricity tracks like the water. And then it's like mushroom music. It looks really good. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that. I'm going to check that out. That'll be my next step into the progression of me as a DJ. Anyways. Uh, okay. Art is freedom. Mm-hmm. You also write poetry. Do you want to share a poem with us? Yeah. This is very exciting. We've not had a poem on the podcast before. Oh my God. Um, so I run an event called Sonder Spoken Word. Um, Can we link to it? Is there a link for it? Nice. Yes. Um, And yeah, it's a a poetry event vouching for the notion of radical vulnerability. Um, Fucking love that. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, it's predominantly an open mic event. Um, And it's just, I guess it's maybe for me a bit of compersion um, because I love uh neuroplasticity and the concept that you can like rewire your brain and conquer your fears so if there's new people that sign up for the open mic and i see them slam it their first ever performance i'm like literally my heart is like so this one i wrote when i was still in addiction and it's it's really depressing and really dark but if you identify with this get help (laughs) (laughs) like this is your sign This is your sign that you deserve help and there is a way out. Okay. So it's called Eggshells and it's from the perspective of the addiction to me. Nice. Quite meta, you know. Great setup. Yeah. I am in control of you. You are mine. Mine to play with, mine to abuse, an eggshell to crack and crack I do. I made my bedroom a haven for you. 
a birds of paradise mating ritual ground of knickknacks and cheap candles that self-care websites said would help calm you down. But the topic always comes up about how you feel, and then why you feel, and then if you feel, and then when you feel, a tangent cartwheel that unpeels your citrus mind. Sometimes we sit on the edge of the bed and just look at each other. I touch parts of you that look different to before, before when you danced consciously on your hometown beach and undressed with shame. You will always be bigger than your friends whose panna cotta skins keep them firm and stretchless. But now I can hold your wrists with a gap to spare and there's a firm bit on your groin you always look for. In the reflection of the window, your silhouette is a different person. Outside is dark, but your outline is darker. A lumpy snake with falling breasts and a used tea bag bum. But I don't miss the way your stomach used to protrude. It was never a soft hill my fingers used to climb with their backpacks and sleeping bags of consumption apathy. You tell me you feel so empty. I'm going to show you how to be full. So your swollen belly will distract from your mind and the pain of implosion melts over your concerns like the white mould that consumes oranges in fruit bowls. I carry you to the kitchen, clip your hair behind your ears and pull your wrists through the arm tunnels of a dirty t-shirt stained yellow at the neckline. With raccoon-like stealth, your longing and I raid the cupboards, documenting how much goes in to know how much should come out an ill-intentioned alchemist calculating nuggets of cereal gold. I'm going to feed you now. Feed you until you feel sick. Feed you until money means nothing. Feed you until deadlines don't matter. Feed you until you're not lonely. Feed you until this hurt hurts more than the constant hurt hurts. Feed you until your head rushes like the love child of the first fag of the day and low blood sugar. You fall to your knees and beg me to purge you of this sumo fatigue. You hunch over the toilet bowl's porcelain palace and I reach for your heart with the same hands used to love you. Your toothbrush and forefingers become a duet of calorie penance, taking it in turns to whip your uvula until everything comes out. And yes, it burns. And yes, if your mother could see this, she would cry and curse at you for hurting the body she made for you. But fuck, where else in your life can you experience a pain so deep and an instant relief within the same minute? And that is why you keep coming back. Because I am in control of you. You are mine. Mine to play with. Mine to abuse. An eggshell to crack. And crack, I do. That was us clapping, just by the way. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all right. Got a bit emotional listening to that. <laughs> it was very so, powerful. Yeah. Trigger warning. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. I remember when you shared that at the open mic. And oh, that thing you guys went to without me. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> and what I thought was more powerful when, when you got up was the fact that no disservice to the amazing performers for the rest of the evening, but most people there were getting up acoustic guitar and singing. And that was the majority of the performance, apart from our friend who got up with the sax and smashed it. Um, but just the fact you got up and, and shared that like deep, honest truth out in metaphorical wordplay uh, 
was like even more impactful because there's no other spoken well not that we're aware of no other spoken word uh there was a spoken word guy but it was more like a musical like music performance based thing so that was more impactful for me at the time of hearing that because the room went silent and then you shared that i hadn't heard that before um and yeah i just love the wordplay and the use of the how you piece the poem together really depicts for me what that must have been like for you from from a certain angle <laughs> yeah and this is why like I love poetry so much because I was thinking about this earlier um it it doesn't like fix problems but I think because you have to give time because you're making something I think that time is the the crux of it because you're thinking about a problem and you're sitting on it and you're processing it rather than just like reacting impulsively. Like it's it's that space. Like when I was talking about earlier, that space to like be calm, it's that space to process it. So also if you're interested in writing poetry, just do it. Like there's, it's unlimited. There's no standards to it. If it feels right for you, then just do it because you can alchemize any experience that you've had and it will resonate with someone in the audience. And yeah. Yeah. It was actually, uh, cause I obviously started recently writing poems through from influence from Lydia and from yourself. And I think it was both you in the same week saying at different times, anything can be a poem. So I just started writing and uh, the ability to pour feelings out and trying to make it flow in a certain way. I found it way. I'm saying this for someone who might have never tried it before. It, it, it doesn't matter what you're writing as long as you kind of feel like it might be in some sort of loose way, a poem. Suddenly this way to express things I didn't know how to express before were coming out of me, how I really felt. And they're always depressing. I tried writing a funny poem and ended up being the darkest poem I've ever wrote. <laughs> well, aren't comedians like the darkest people? They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, a book by Ben Oakry called Way of Being Free that I've suggested to you before. And it talks about how the role of the poet is to say the stuff that no one wants to. Um, and I've got so many amazing poets in my life that really do that. And it's just... It's fantastic because it's not, I think um, maybe this is like a, a common addict thing where um, you grow up in an environment where you want to talk about stuff. Um, well, and actually, no, I can't speak for other people, but with, with my family, there was a lot of unsaid things and like very obvious in action, but not spoken about. But poetry is like, you're straight to it. Like you're, you're in it. There's no fatic talk or fucking about. It's literally like, this is my essence. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That people often have that perception of poetry as being like lots of flowery language. And, and I've never thought that of poetry. I've always loved it. And I've always thought that it's such a wonderful distillation of truth, but like a proper distillation, like it really breaks things down. Like I was reading, um, you know, Kate Tempest, Kate Tempest, sorry, Kate Tempest they wrote a book called On Connection where they talked about their creativity. And it was such, like, it was because I've, I've written poetry in the past, but it's funny you guys are talking about like writing poetry for the sake of like truth and connection and creativity. 
I basically, I love wordplay and I basically started writing piss take poems for all my mates' birthdays. And the first time I did it, it was such a hit that everyone requested them. And I'm good at writing piss take poems. And I wrote some for my mum and my brother and my dad for their birthdays and they loved it. But there was a real showiness to it. Mm. It wasn't a, um, I didn't write it for radical vulnerability. I wrote it because I knew it was clever and it would make people laugh. And then people would say afterwards, how do you write that? so clever? So, but there's almost like that. It didn't feel like creative expression. It felt like um, performance. And that's so interesting. You guys have kind of inspired me to be like, maybe I should actually I try love, and write something authentically. Like what, what don't you want anyone to see? What don't I want people what to see? What are you hiding from everyone? I think that's where the, the real like gritty, crunchy stuff can be. I would love for us to do like, uh, you know, no, no pressure. But like if it was a, we can another, do a poetry slam episode of the podcast. It doesn't have to be a whole episode, but it could be like, oh, That's actually it could so be, good. if it's just, if it was just you and me doing an episode. And then I it, think Valentina should curate it. If oh we do a poetry God, slam yeah. episode. Valentina part like, two. Valentina, I've, uh, I've taken over and uh, we're having a poetry slam. Wait, are you going to freestyle? I don't know. No, we probably have to prepare. No. We'd I wouldn't prepare. want it to be dissing each other. I'd want, I want us to go away and come back and Mark to have dived into some things and me to try and, you know. I went I went to a poetry slam once but back when I was using with my friend Nick and we both got really, really stoned before we went in and Nick got the giggles and people were like freestyling and this guy was freestyling and it wasn't funny, but Nick was laughing so hard. And this guy, the guy was, he was just like, you know, just saying it's like people, church, steeple and all this kind of, and Nick was wrecked, <laughs> absolutely wrecked. And I was selling that and I was freaking out so much because everyone was looking at him like, this is not funny. And then afterwards, when I told, when I relayed the story back to him later, he was like, I thought it was hilarious. He was like, I thought he was in genuinely trying to be hilarious. Um, yeah, I think um, I've, I've encountered that a lot, like a lot of poetical appropriation where um, like white people will try to um, like appropriate black, like um, the the origins of like poetry and stuff I think are, are from marginalized groups like um being having um like written formats and like concrete formats of like uh sharing things taken away and so like words are how stories and like legacies are continued um and I do see a lot in the Bristol scene a lot of um like white poets trying to have do like black impressions and stuff um but yeah so i think i would have laughed been very uncomfortable if someone was like yeah blah, blah, blah. he was to, like, to be fair it wasn't good it was he was just saying words so it deserved to be laughed at but i was just oh, the, the social awkwardness of the situation was too much for me to bear fortunately i was also quite high it's funny your experience of a, of a poetry slam and mine was extremely different mine was a shambino the smaller version of shambhala uh and i went and i didn't know what it would be like and i hadn't really listened to much poetry live before and it was a competition you know com competition and it went on for like two three hours and uh the two kind of the two final fi fi finalists sorry was a um one one poet who was mainly recounting details of his progression into coming out. And then another poet was her uh, detailing stories of her being a carer for her sick sister. And 
one was like NHS like and, and government slamming and one was how painful it is to come out and how scary that is with his family background. I was like, I was in tears the whole time. I'm at a festival and I just didn't, I was like, fucking poetry woo. And I was just in tears like the whole time. And I, and it was from that moment onwards, I was like, there is, it, I had such a vague understanding of what it meant reading, you know, and I didn't care. And then it was nothing. I've watched films and I've been to plays and all this stuff, but it was, it was that experience alone that made me realize how powerful poetry is. Cause nothing makes me well up faster than when I hear a good poem that really like rips you apart. And I'm like, Oh shit. And I also laughed as well. There was some humor in that as well. One guy that was like, uh, I, I, I'm guessing he's into Harry Krishna. His poems are all like drug induced ketamine, like explorations of like, uh, separation from the body. And then at the end of every poem, he'd be like, Harry Krishna. I was like laughing my ass off, but going from him to someone anyway i'm i'm going off on a tangent but anyway just that moment alone just i knew at some point i wanted to try and experiment with it so that's kind of when i when i met you I was like, yeah i really identify with that like um uh like the the first performance i went to see was a, a raise the bar and it was at crofters i think and i don't know if i said this already but like um I always really struggled to connect with people. But when I saw someone on stage just being like, and like, I love cadence and like flow and like how it can like pull your, like literally pull, it pulls my heartstrings. Like I feel like there's strings around my ribs and then they're like dragging me along. Like if they, their voices go like up or down and like, oof. Yeah, and I remember being like, I feel something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was actually in your poem where you have this, this chain, the words of hurt. I can't re- recite it back, but you go, the hurt, hurting. Hurt. And I was like, I don't know, the way, the, it's all in the tone that you're doing it and, and the, the different, um, I'm so bad at work, like how, how to express what I'm trying to say. But double entendre. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How each each use of the of of the same word, but you express it in a different way each time you say it, has that emotional impact, and that's like I find really fascinating. When we're going off on a crazy tangent, (laughs) more more poetry, more. More Actually, yeah, I'm actually loving this discussion on poetry. But I, we we should. We're what are we running at time wise now? We are like you know we are beyond. We're beyond the pale. Because uh, I want people illusion. to. Time is an What is time? What is time? It's a fucking illusion. Turn it off. Go outside now. Yes. <laughs> let's wrap. Let's let's bring a gentle finale that everyone can embrace. Should we ask Valentina what she would like people to yes. take away from? So if you had, you've kind of already said. Yeah, if you had some finale little like bits of uh, biscuits of wisdom. Because we, we often ask people if they know, if, what would you say to someone who's struggling? Or someone who's, yeah, what would you say to someone who's struggling? What would you like them to know? Surrender. I would say it's, I can tell you're tired as fuck. And it, it's so hard to hide this way of living that you think is, is right. 
um it's really fucking tiring and like yeah just you deserve to feel better um and it's hard and it's really really long and I went to see Alok perform um Alok Vedmanon amazing my favorite poet in the world a few weeks ago and they said something like um they were talking about happiness and how they thought once they'd get into therapy they'd feel a bit more happy um and they were like, no, I don't feel more happy. I was just given the vocabulary to describe how I felt, but I, I don't feel any happier. And I think that's, that's, that's beautiful <laughs> because I think there is no such thing as happy, but existing is so much easier in sobriety. It's not, I'm, I reach like happy and sad all the time. Like um, it, it's up and down. It's very inconsistent, but it's a whole lot better than when I was my addiction so you can do this existing is so much better in recovery i, really I, like that. I agree with that oh yeah well thank you so much thank you so much valentina you've been wonderful i'd love to such a bloody good guest yeah yeah i'd love to get we don't even you. fucking need you russell brand <laughs> <laughs> fuck you russell brand fuck you, russell. No. sorry 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 sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Raise everyone. Up. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, Respect we love Russell. We love you, man. Russell, love you, man. Russell, when I saw you at Ashton Gate Stadium, you blew my mind. And when we meditated together, that was one of the best moments of my entire life. So thank you. And uh, your book was transformative for me in my first year of recovery, Russell. I listened to it almost on repeat but every also, morning. But, <laughs> but also, everyone's such a fan. But I've never like dabbled that much in Russell. His Brown. book recovery is phenomenal. I saw him do, he did like a really weird thing a couple of years ago, which he didn't end up touring it, but he did like Shakespeare monologues at Bristol Old Vic mm -hmm. interspersed with stand-up. I don't see it. And it was amazing. It was so good. And he's actually a really good actor as well. Like he, he acted the monologues really well. Um, so yeah, so, so I actually think he's amazing and I'm just hurt that he never responded to my email, you know? Uh, thank you, Valentin, for coming on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, and yeah if you're, if you're listening we're going to put some links in the description of things that we've spoken about in this episode uh, if you are struggling or know anyone that's struggling and just you know we can put there's links to possible fellowships to check out possible charities to check out and uh, it's a reading list as long as we're on for this episode as well uh, bell yeah. hooks all about love bell hooks buy that shit Listen and pay uh, when learning about like creative theory and community. Listen and give money to black, brown and indigenous uh, teachers um, who like talk about it because that's where that's where it is. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. And if you're in Bristol and somehow worked out who we are, come along to. No, don't say hi to me. Don't say hi to Valentina. Don't say hi to any of us either. No, fucking say hi to me. I love attention. Okay, you can say hi to me. Everyone, go up, go up. So we, are we shouting out your event or not? Are we shouting out your event or not? We said we linked to it. I don't know. Do you think we should? Yes. I don't know. Maybe no. maybe there's someone out there who's gasping to... Sorry. It's called Sonder spoke, Spoken Word. If you're listening to this, then you'll come across... At Sonder Spoken Word on Instagram. There you go. Uh, for those who haven't been to one of them before, I went to my first one recently and i learned how it's a safe space just like meetings are it's just a bunch of people getting up on stage and sharing their that. truths and singing sometimes which i was new to me i didn't know that people interwove singing with their poetry i'm such a novice anyway 
Thank you for listening. Thank, Thank you for listening. Christina. We'll leave it there. Bye, Bye everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.